Welcome back to the Birth Nurses Podcast. Uh, hey, Liz. Hey. <laughs> Good. We have a guest today. Yay. Her name is Deb Flaschenberg, and she is a yoga instructor and birth educator. And we're going to hear all about um, what she does and how she helps pregnant women and laboring women and how this can apply to you, our listener. Very excited. Hi, Deb. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited. Love it. I think this is our first yoga teacher. Yeah. Yoga teacher slash birth educator slash mother slash podcaster. You're a busy lady. (laughs) All the things. So tell us... uh, a brief intro about yourself and how you got into sure. doing this work that you do. Yeah. Sure. So I started as a singer dancer and then I got into yoga and I opened prenatal yoga center in 2002. So it's been a minute. And and I got into prenatal yoga because I wasn't really happy with the type of yoga I was doing. I was doing Bikram yoga and then vinyasa and it just didn't feel like it wasn't really offering the opportunity to look at the students and say, what do you need? How can I help you? And then when I got into prenatal yoga, I was invited to do, it's so illegal what I did. I was invited <laughs> to go up to one of the hospitals and pretend I was a med student. One of my students was doing a fellowship. So I saw birth. I know it's so illegal. I saw birth in a really different way. I was in my Late, mid-20s, none of my friends were having kids because we were all performers. Mm -hmm. And it was such an eye-opening experience that what I had been doing before that was just modifying yoga poses for the pregnant body. And what that experience taught me was that prenatal yoga can really be a tool to help people mentally and physically prepare. And there's such a difference. It's not just, okay, I'm going to teach a class of safe modifications, but how can this help people get to know their body, advocate for themselves, set their body up for balance so that baby may come out a little smoother? How can we use the asana, the yoga poses to look at coping skills? It was such a it was such an interesting path to get there. Um, but yeah, that, that's me. And I have two kids and I'm no longer in the labor and delivery room as a doula um, because of my kids, but it's still a passion to support pregnant folks. Welcome to the Birth Nurses Podcast. I'm Shana Brickner from Preparented, and I'm joined by my co-host Liz Baker-Wade from Birth and Beyond in Santa Monica. We are the Birth Nurses. In this podcast, we talk about birth and nursing practice and labor and delivery, and in a broader sense, the whole world of nursing too. From two women who have been on both sides of the birthing bed, we've got some things to talk about that will enhance your understanding of birth. Whether you're a first-time pregnant parent, a parent to one or more babies, or a professional in the birth world, this podcast is for you. Join me and Liz and special guests as we share and learn from each other here on the Birth Nurses Podcast. Amazing. Love Love that. Love it. Love it. So we want to get into kind of the nitty-gritty of how prenatal yoga can enhance the birthing experience overall. You you mentioned a few things, balance, a smooth birth experience, but what are those details? Can you tell us? Sure. So I think the way I approach prenatal yoga, at least at my studio prenatal yoga center, it is about a three-prong theory. We're going to use the yoga in multifacets. So the 
poses themselves can help alleviate your common aches and pains. Let's face it, pregnant folks are constantly, there's back pain, there's neck pain. So on a practical level, we can stretch and strengthen, especially areas that tend to get tight. But then we can also use poses. A lot of people think prenatal yoga is just like stretching and breathing. There's definitely that. But I think that being pregnant, birthing, and raising kids, it's hard. And we need to raise our threshold of reaction. So can we use these poses to safely be uncomfortable? So looking at poses that have a lot of sensation. You know, if you ever hold a warrior pose for anywhere from like five to eight breaths and really ground into your legs, your body's going to be speaking to you. (laughs) And so then we can, (laughs) loudly. (laughs) Can we examine all of these different coping skills from mantras to breathing to recognizing where we're holding tension and learning how to release that? Can we get our mind in the game? Because I mean, no, you're both labor and delivery nurses. You know, if someone goes in, with the idea of this is going to be awful, every contraction just hurts, it's going to feel worse. So can we look at what our mind is saying during that discomfort and try to change that channel? So that's the kind of the mental aspect. But then our classes can also interweave childbirth education themes. Um, And then, of course, community. So even if we're just online or because our classes are both in-person online, supporting one another and seeing each other through pregnancy, I think is really important. So that's how I think prenatal yoga can help enhance the birthing experience. I love the idea of increasing your threshold of reactions. Absolutely. And getting comfortable. I often ask my own clients, do you have a relationship with pain? For instance, do you have migraines or back pains or chronic pain? And what's your threshold on a scale of one to 10? Do you live at a four and then you become comfortable at a four? So I'm absolutely going to steal that from you. I love it. That is going to be a deficit forever. I wanted to ask you, you also mentioned safe modifications. Can you expand on that a little bit? Sure. So we have to be mindful of the changes of the pregnant body. So I don't go to teach prenatal yoga just from what my body feels because I come from a dance background. I have a high threshold of discomfort, but I also have a lot of range of flexibility. So I'm looking at what we teach from understanding the anatomical and physiological changes of the pregnant body. So let's look at the fact, let's even go to the hormonal, you know, the endocrine system. Right away, we've got relaxin, which is going to soften ligaments and tendons. So I have to be mindful of not what I call using barred flexibility, overstretching. We have increased progesterone, we have increased estrogen, so the connective tissues relaxed. So The yoga practice, when we look at the pregnant body, shouldn't just be about stretching, stretching, stretching. We can hit that flexibility, in fact, overstretch. So when I think about safe modifications, I actually think about what creates stability and strength and then look at mobility. So let's think of an example. Uh, a pose called Anjane Asana, for example, it's um, like a lunge. It's easy just to kind of hang in your joints and ligaments. So a safe modification would be to actually contain that and strengthen, strengthen the outer hips, magnetize the front heel to back knee. So I think when we think about prenatal yoga, it's so much more, in my mind, about strengthening the body as opposed to just stretching. So we also think about a lot of folks have really tight pelvic floors. And if we don't have strength 
in the hips, in the adductors, the inner thighs, the abductors, the outer thighs, the hamstrings, the glutes, the pelvic floor is actually going to take up the work and get tighter, which we know for birth is not how we want to go. So safe modifications, I think it's looking at the whole pregnant body and the changes, you know, where the changes of the curves of the spine, the changes of balance. So I don't know if I'm answering your question quite, quite well, but it's, I think it's more about creating stability and strength. I'm Elizabeth Baker Wade. I am a labor and delivery nurse, registered nurse, birth educator, and podcaster. My birth education classes are concentrated on how to have a better hospital birth and high-risk pregnancy. What's high risk? What does that mean? High risk are moms who are experiencing histories of chronic hypertension, pregnancy-induced hypertension, we call that preeclampsia, insulin-dependent diabetes, infertility, and other comorbidities in their pregnancy, which bump them into a higher-risk category. Mm. Why do you like to teach about high-risk pregnancies? Because there's going to be more interventions often in the high-risk mom. And getting familiar with the vernacular and understanding the risk-benefit of these interventions and why your obstetrician is going to bring them up and getting prepared for what's going to happen in the hospital, I think can really greatly reduce fear and anxiety. And a lot of moms out there have comorbidities these days. It's true. We need to help them out on their way. Making peace with intervention when necessary helps for a better, smoother labor and delivery, I think. How can someone sign up for your class? They can go to birthandbeyond.net. You can email me at liz at birthandbeyond.net. I will respond within 24 hours. All my schedules, fees, and times are on my website. I also have a consultation membership and a text me anything membership for a month at a time where I will answer as many texts as you need for questions that come up out of the blue. Lots of texts come after the appointment, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I just had an appointment with my LB and I what don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm at birthandbeyond.net. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of patients throughout my labor and delivery career who have had um, injuries, pelvic floor injuries or rotator injuries, hip injuries, oh, yeah. labrum, they've been dancers, especially they've been gymnasts like myself. And so those modifications, you know, and when we're pushing, especially, it's like you have to be mindful of someone's history. I love that. Mm-hmm. Safe modifications. Very cool. Thank you. Do you think there are there yoga positions to avoid during pregnancy in the gestational period? Yeah, well, we're looking at poses that are going to create balance in the body. So if we think about baby's journey down, as we know, unfortunately, they don't just shoot out like a gumball machine, which would be great if it did, but it doesn't happen. So (laughs) when I'm thinking about poses to avoid, I'm going to say things that get that can add more tension. So are we getting the psoas really tight? We don't want the psoas really tight. That should be kind of our runway down into the pelvis. Are we looking at poses? A lot of yoga folks do this thing called Mula Bandha, which is kind of like a big old Kegel. Um, I'm not really a fan of that because I think that can actually also create 
create tension in the pelvic floor, which can make things more difficult. Um, on, a, on a basic level, obviously, we're not laying on the belly because, you know, there's a baby there. We're not doing deep twists. Um, we're not doing deep back bends. Mm-hmm. You know, we can still absolutely twist because functionally, we want that for the back. And imagine not twisting how tight your back yeah. would get. Um, so we still want to twist, but we're twisting above the belly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can still back bend, but not so much that we're compressing. We already have a lot of lordosis in the spine, right. but so we don't want to compress that more. But we also don't want to push so much into the front of the abdomen and weaken that connective tissue. So I guess when we think about, it's not just groups of poses that we want to avoid. I really think about we want to avoid things that are going to create more imbalance. Because we know if the body is more out of balance, the journey for the baby is going to be more difficult. So I think it's looking at how are people compensating in their body? Are they always using one side more than the other? But I guess on a practical level, yeah, we need to be respectful that the baby's there, so we're not squishing baby. And then we need to be mindful of what's that doing to the pregnant body. And I guess one group I will put in there is inversions. Um, And this can be a bit controversial amongst different yoga practitioners. My thought about inversions is a bunch. So when I teach prenatal teacher training, I go into this, that headstand, for example, it's a fair amount of surface space that a lot of people can get on their head and balance. But my whole thing is if we look back to what's happening in the pregnant body, we've got the relaxing softening everything. We've got the connective tissue not as stable. One gains weight during pregnancy quicker than any other time. So if someone doesn't really understand how to use their body to lift out of their neck, they can really hurt themselves. So while they may be able to get upside down, are they supporting their body that way? And then at some point, let's think that we want the baby to go head down. And if we're upside down a lot, that may not may not lead to that. It also involves a lot of core strength to maintain inversions upside down. And we do need the belly to relax. We don't want to have it so tight. In fact, I have a student right now who's desperately trying to turn her breech baby. Mm -hmm. And the care provider said, you know, we could try an ECV, an external cephalic version, give you an epidural to relax your belly. She's like, because your belly muscles are so strong. Wow. So we want to, we want to be mindful of what kind of core work. Now, that doesn't mean get rid of core work because we do need some core stabilization. But in the term of a yoga practitioner, what kind of core work are they doing? We also don't do a lot of full plank because of the pull of most people are going to end up in this like deep sway. In the low back. Which is going to be, yeah, Yeah. in the low back. And that's going to be hard on the back. But that's also then just hanging in the hips and hanging in that connective tissue in the front. So I guess there's a lot of poses that we're more mindful of. But when we're choosing our poses, it's about the risk versus the benefit. Can someone do plank? Sure, absolutely. Their body can do it. But is it benefiting the bigger picture of a well-balanced body for a smoother birth? You know, that's where I start to think about which poses I'm choosing to teach. And take and take into consideration your vulnerable areas. I, I often tell Yeah, absolutely. Really, really protect your low back. Those lower yeah. lumbar vertebrae that are taking a lot of, um, you know, good body mechanics, just getting off the floor at tush mm-hmm. first. 
You want to try yeah. to put your legs underneath you and stand up vertically with something to lean on rather than pull your whole body up. And ooh, yeah. those are really, really good ones. Safe yeah. modifications. I love it. Now, you kind of mentioned this, but um, we also, we love spinning babies and like sometimes an inversion pose is helpful, right? But um, how do we avoid putting the baby into a posterior position when we don't want that? We want the anterior position for a baby. Yeah. So let's also talk about the inversion of spinning babies. So what Gail Tully created it's a very different inversion than a yoga inversion. She has a very specific angle and a very specific amount of time. And that angle of the forward leaning inversion is to help elongate and untorque the ligaments. It's like um, an a, an upside down A-frame. So that's, you know, and I think it's three breaths. Like it's very, it's very little time. Inversions in yoga, unless it's like down dog, inversions in yoga are straight up and down. So that's a very different type of inversion and often for more than three breaths. So how do we, well, I think there's a few things in the whole idea of baby position. So as I mentioned, we want to be mindful of what's happening internally. What kind of tension are we having? So is the psoas really tight? Is the pelvic floor really tight? Are the ligaments torqued? Is the abdominal, are the abdominal muscles so tight babies having a hard time maneuvering? So I'd be mindful of body mechanics. I know I was the worst pregnant person when it came to body mechanics. Even though I was teaching this, I did not listen to my own advice and had a very long, long labor. So I stupidly was exercising, I think, a little too much. And listeners might be like, whoa, you can never exercise too much. I think it's how I exercise. I did not balance things. I was cycling like five or six days a week. So if we think of what happens cycling, the psoas muscle, for those like, she keeps saying psoas, what is that? So some people call it the hip flexor, or at least one of the hip flexors. It's this muscle that starts at the bottom of the thoracic and it goes down along your spine. And I think it was like, it cradles your uterus, like a little runway. And then it goes over the right uh your hip crease into your lesser trochanter the the femur bone so it's the hip flexor for most people and when you cycle it tightens up a lot and then you also think of the position on a bike where the tail's tucked so you're in a posterior pelvic tilt and the pelvic floor is getting tighter so those things are going to create less stability oh, let's say more pelvic mobility. So the sacrum is going to be a little more stuck. The ligaments are probably a little tighter torqued. So I did kind of everything that I tell people not to do (laughs) because I'm stubborn and stupid that way. So (laughs) when it comes to a malpositioned baby, um, we want to make sure that we're not overly tightening things. So look at how can we balance things? Are we, what are we doing off the yoga mat? Are we over exercising um, without balancing? So 
what might have been smarter is say I still was that person that's like, I'm not getting off my cycling bike, fine. But then on the other side, maybe you're seeing a physical therapist that can really make sure everything's internally balanced. Maybe you're doing spinning babies, which does that forward-leaning inversion and the um, the side release to relax everything. Maybe you're doing the spinning babies that's doing the jiggle. Maybe you're seeing um, a chiropractor to also balance things. So I don't want everyone to think that they can't do what they love. I think it's a matter of balance because we know that the more we tighten things, the less space the baby has to find its way. And then I'd also look at what are you doing just simply when you get home? Are you sitting back on the couch and just kind of falling into that C curve of your back? I think that can also, you know, baby, the heaviest part of a baby is the back of their head and their back. So if you're always just kind of like slumping on back, that could lead to posterior. So I guess body mechanics is <laughs> the short, simple answer. Absolutely. Hey there, it's Shana Brickner. I am an international board certified lactation consultant and a former labor and delivery nurse. I want to let you know something really exciting. I can accept insurance for lactation visits. If you have Aetna, Cigna, Oscar, United Healthcare, Tricare West, or HealthNet PPO, then it is very likely that we can have six or more lactation visits completely covered by your insurance. This can be a home visit or a virtual visit. If the financial side of things have been holding you back from setting up an appointment with me, don't let it. Email me or go to my website, www.preparented.com, to schedule a visit with me for any lactation issue. I can help you with low or high milk supply, clogged ducts, pumping, latching, bottle feeding, tongue tire, lip tie, using a nipple shield, positioning difficulties, introducing solid food, or weaning. I'd love to help you reach your parenting goals, your breastfeeding goals. So please reach out to me. My email is shana at preparented.com and then my website, www.preparented.com. Love it. Uh, yeah, definitely. Leaning back, forward, you know, forward leaning positions, crossed legs, trying to mm-hmm. optimize the fetal head rotating towards facing mother's back. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there's a good symbiotic relationship with all of them. Do you have a thing to say to our listeners about postnatally at what point would be a good time to resume yoga postures and positions do we need to wait a certain amount of time things to avoid in the postnatal period anything sure so i think the first couple weeks is really important to rest let your body heal no matter how you birthed it was quite an ordeal on your body so honor the need to rest and then slowly start. You can start with really good breathing, getting those back ribs moving, checking with posture, slow walks. I don't like having students come back in if they had a vaginal birth until their bleeding has stopped. So that's, you know, four to six weeks. If they had a cesarean, that's major abdominal surgery. So I really think wait till six weeks. And then we're starting slowly and we're respecting the journey back, re-strengthening muscles, especially the back muscles, the abdominal muscles, mindfully. Um, The glutes lose a lot of tone throughout pregnancy. So when it comes to postnatal, it's actually in my mind more strengthening and then looking at the parts of the body like the neck and the shoulders and the chest that need some opening. But start slowly, work for those out there that are looking to get back postnatally, look for someone that understands the pelvic floor 
because we don't want to add more pressure. A lot of folks think, oh, I had a baby. I better just engage and tighten everything up. A lot of people come out of birth with actually a lot of tension in their pelvic floor. Even cesareans tension their pelvic floor. So we want to learn how to relax that and then rebuild strength. And it's not just Kegels. There's so much that we can do strengthening the hips, the glutes, the back, the the inner legs. So we start slowly and build up. And then also someone that understands diastasis and how to not exacerbate that. So I'd love to see people back in the room. Yeah, around four to six weeks. That's kind of the, the sweet spot. Can can you just quickly um, tell our listeners what diathesis is? Oh, sure. Sorry. Yeah, I threw that out and I didn't even explain it. So, <laughs> so every pregnant body is going to have a separation at the rectus abdominals, your your six pack, because it has to open because your muscles have to lengthen to to help that baby grow. And then what can happen after is I actually just taught postnatal teacher training. So these numbers are kind of off the top of my head. So around six weeks, about 60% of folks are still going to have that separation of the rectus abdominals, plus a weakness that we call this the linea albis, the connective tissue. And then at 12 weeks, without doing anything, about 36% of folks are still going to have that separation, that weakness of the linea alba. And then at a year, it's down to about 32%. So it's um, it's a widening, but also it's not just about the distance between the, the abdominal muscles, it's about the tension. So I call it the marshmallow. So if someone's palpating and they're engaged in the corn floor, you should have like a spring back when someone checks it. You shouldn't just keep going in like you're, if you ever dug your finger into a marshmallow, <laughs> you just kind of keep going. We, we don't want, yeah. <laughs> we don't want that. So yeah, it's a separation of the rectus abdominals. Got it. Thank you. Wow. Great information. I yeah. love it. Are you, um, you're online, you do some of your classes online. So can people from other parts of the country, you know, get yeah. time changes at all? Sometimes I have to adjust my times or somebody might have to get up a little bit earlier, or a little bit later to join class. Um, are you open to clients from other parts of the country? Oh my gosh, yeah. We have people, in fact, we just had somebody tune in from Melbourne, Australia, oh, which is pretty wow. amazing. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know. I was like, what time is it there? So our, our teacher trainings are online and our yoga classes are also online. We offer seven days a week online and in studio. So we're on the Upper West Side in New York, for those that want to pop into Manhattan and say hi. Um, But we also, as mentioned, offer online. And I have a podcast, Yoga Birth Babies, that we talk a lot about prenatal yoga and pregnancy, a ton about the pelvic floor, because that was another of my trainings, pelvic floor teacher training, um, and a lot about diastasis, since I'm also a, a prenatal corrective exercise specialist. So yeah, we dive into, and also I've been studying to be a spinning baby's parent educator. So a lot of all this, how the body can help you have a more functional birth. Love it. Thank you. So we want to make sure that our listeners know where to find Deb in the mm-hmm. uh, in Manhattan and that you can take yoga classes. Yes. Yeah. Do you have a website? And prenatal. Yep. It's Prenatal Yoga Center is the website. Instagram, Prenatal Yoga Center. Even Facebook for those who are still on it, Prenatal Yoga Center. And then my podcast is called Yoga Birth Babies. Yoga Birth Babies, everyone. Amazing. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. I have a lot of new vocabulary. <laughs> and uh, another referral for my birth education. I think everything is a good adjunct. Everything is 
Mm-hmm. Just everything. I tell everybody, do it all. Do as much as you can. Learn from every area. This was really, really fun. Thank you. Thanks, Deb. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Birth Nurses Podcast. If you enjoyed this, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can share this podcast with your pregnant friends or new moms. Secondly, you can write a review and rate us on iTunes. And thirdly, we would love if you would check out our Instagram accounts and websites. I'm on Instagram as Preparented and online www.preparented.com. And Liz is on Instagram as Birth Nurse Liz, and her website is birthandbeyond.net. Thanks for listening.